Welcome to An Amber A Day, the podcast all about functional nutrition for PCOS. I'm Amber Fisher, a certified nutrition specialist and licensed dietitian nutritionist, and I have training in functional medicine. I also have PCOS, and on this podcast, we discuss PCOS in depth, the nutrition strategies for it, as well as the realities of living with it and making this lifestyle work. For further guidance and meal plan support, you can check out the show notes for links to my PCOS courses and programs. And if this podcast helps you, please do me a favor and leave me a review. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get into today's episode. the Functional Nutrition Podcast, and I'm Amber Fisher, and I am in a new setup for the podcast. So if you are watching this um, on YouTube or any of the various replays for it, you will notice that I got it set up in here. It looks pretty good. I'm psyched about it. I wanted to have like a more official podcasty look. You know what I'm talking about? If you ever watch a podcaster and you know they've got their computer and they've got their cool microphone and I wanted you guys to meet Lil Blue, Lil Blue Snowball. This is him. He's special to me. He's been my constant companion for all 26 episodes of An Amber A Day. We are recording episode 27 right now. And that is very exciting. So, before I continue rambling on about things that you don't care about, let me tell you what today's episode is going to be all about. Today is going to be about preconception fertility care. And um, some of my thoughts on this, why this is important, and what different fertility conditions can be helped by nutrition and how. So we're not going to go into like crazy, crazy detail about each of those fertility conditions, but if you've listened to previous podcasts, there are many where I go into depth. I am planning in the future to go into great depth with different topics like PCOS and autoimmunity, things I specialize in. Um, But today we're kind of going to do a 45-minute more general overview. Um, So we're going to talk about how nutrition can sort of help to improve your chances of a successful fertility treatment cycle. So that's what we're that's what we're gonna do today. And um, I'm actually really excited about that because those of you who follow me on Instagram, which if you don't, at Amber Fisher Nutritionist is my Instagram, and that is where I'm the most active. So if you want to know what I'm up to, um, but on there I've been advertising recently that I have a workshop coming up December seventeenth from 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time, and it is all about optimizing your nutrition for fertility treatment. So I'm going to really look at that from a functional nutrition perspective. I'm going to give you lots of depth and detail in that workshop. Um, It's $95, and it will be well worth it. You're going to go away with a uh, 14-day meal plan and um, supplement recommendations and a lot, a lot of knowledge that I'm going to cram into two hours of me talking. So I hope you guys will join me there. If you are a current client, um, I do have a discount code for you. Um, But please share the word with your friends, family, neighbors, Um, whoever you know that is either, you know, planning to try to conceive or particularly if they're going to go through IVF or anything like that, this is really aimed at at that group of women. So with that said, that's some housekeeping stuff. What have I been up to? Well, lots. Um, 
so the biggest thing that I've been up to is that workshop, getting that set up. So I've been really working like a mad woman trying to get everything organized and written down. It was really cool because I met with my business coach and she was like, hey, you really ought to do a, a workshop or a course or something. And I had always thought that I wanted to do an online course, but I had never... Um, really had time to like sit down and think it through. And so one of the biggest cool things about working with my productivity coach is that she's helping me to create time blocks for myself so that I actually can like sit down and write down my ideas and think and get stuff done. Um, You know, one of the blessings and curses of being a successful functional nutritionist is that I'm so, you know, grateful to have lots of wonderful clients. Um, but sometimes I take on, you know, I, I like really want to help everybody and I sort of take on more than I can and um, it leaves me like very little time for my creative work. And that's really where a lot of the inspiration for the work that I do with clients comes from. So if I don't take time to do all that stuff, um, then I just don't feel fulfilled and I don't, you know, I spin my wheels a lot basically. So one of the cool things of working with her is that she's really kind of encouraged me to to put into action a lot of these things that I had been thinking for years that I wanted to do. And one of those things is to do um, a course. So um, I, you know, that's in the works that there may be a full class based on this. But at the moment, what we're doing is making a workshop of it. So a one night event, um, it is going to be virtual. Like I told you about earlier, I'm not going to go through the details again, but I would love you guys to um, to join me. I think um, it's going to be really, really fun. And I promise you I'm going to make it worth your while to be there. Um, but, so I've been working a ton on that. And what was really fun was that as I was sitting down making my outline for the presentation, I realized, uh, like in 20 minutes, this full, beautiful outline came to me. And I just had this flash of inspiration and realized, like, this is my book. So I'm writing a book based on that. Um, That, of course, is going to take me a long time. So I have a fun fact. I did actually write a novel once upon a time. So it was always a dream of mine to write a book before I turned 30. And uh, when I was like, oh gosh, I don't know how old I was, maybe 25, 26, something like that. I sat down and I did write a novel. It was 80,000 words. So it was a full size novel. Um, I hated it. (laughs) I like, I mean, I was happy that I wrote it, but I didn't like the book that I wrote. Like it had a bunch of plot holes because I didn't outline it properly. And so I got stuck in the editing process of it and it is still sitting in a drawer upstairs, not completely edited. And, you know, I mean, every writer has to go through that process of writing something that they just like really don't like. Nobody's first book is the book, right? So I know the dedication and the time it takes to write a novel. If you put together all the blogging and Instagram post writing I have done over the years, I have probably written several novels. Um, So what I'm going to do is actually sit down and make it into a real book. And so I'm excited about that. So I've really been working on that in my free time. And um, it's, uh, it's kind of a cool time for me. So I just feel like a lot of stuff's coming together. Um... I was actually today, as I'm recording this, I had written a post this morning about how I just feel like this year has been really tough. Like, I mean, obviously you guys know what's been going on with me 
physically with the cancer and everything. But not only that, but it's been really emotionally and mentally tough because I have been at home. And for me, you know, I guess I just felt like always before when I would go to my physical office that I, um, it was almost like paying this pittance to, to the universe. Like, Hey, I went to my office. So like, I'm a worthy, worthwhile person. Like I have an office space and I went there and I, I did work. So I almost like would give my permission, myself more permission to rest and relax back when I actually went to the actual office. And since I've been home during 2020, just sort of like hang in here and only have to walk downstairs to do my Zoom calls, um, I guess I feel a little guilty about that. And I sort of didn't realize that I was doing that, but it's like I was filling my day with just like more, 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 more. Um, and I think it was sort of a psychological sort of thing where I'm trying to make up for feeling like I'm not doing enough or I'm like I'm not making enough progress or or whatever. And also it's probably a little psychological sort of like uh, feeling like, you know, I took that maternity leave and my life was so focused on Calvin for so long, completely on him, that I feel a little bit like guilty that I haven't been doing more stuff for the business to help it grow. And so, um, anyway, it's been a really enlightening year. And I think a lot of us have come to these sort of conclusions of like realizing what psychological hangups and things that we've had that have been kind of controlling us and we didn't realize it until now. Um, so, you know, of all the, of all the crap that happened this year, I do have to say that some good things have come out of it, at least for me, psychologically, I have learned a lot about myself Um, I have learned that I am incredibly resilient. If I didn't know it before, I certainly know it now. So, you know, I do think like we all are here for a purpose. I know that I have one. Took me a long time to figure out what, where in the whole place of everyone else that purpose even fell. And now that I'm sort of here in my spot, in my niche, like it's time to get to work. So, Um, it's an exciting time. That's pretty much what's been going on with me. It's been mostly working stuff. Calvin has been on the verge of walking for a while now. Um, so he starts to let go of stuff and we're like, oh, is he going to take a step? But no, not yet. Not yet. So, um, I think as soon as he starts walking, he'll start talking a little bit more, but he is very vocal. He, he, his favorite thing to do is go, ooh, ooh, like a little monkey. And that's how he says he's excited about anything or pretty much that's how he talks about anything at all. So it's really adorable. We love it. Um, But yeah, we've been having a lot of fun with him. He just gets more and more fun the older he gets. He also gets more and more exhausting (laughs) the older he gets. So those of you, I know a lot of you who listen are moms because most of the people listening are, are women. And so a lot of you are moms and know how very draining and demanding it is to have a kid at home and I fully recognize that I don't have it as bad as some women like I just have the one um and you know that's a blessing for me because it gives me space to also do that like I don't know how you would do it if you had more than one and do and run a business I just don't whoever if you do that you're amazing um but you know Admitting to myself, after all the years of infertility, 
that like sometimes it's just a drain to be around my kid all day and that I need to take a day off here and there and leave him with somebody and just go relax. That has been a big growth point for me the last Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG, and we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. really the last month or so, pretty much since he turned one. And I think there's something um, very, uh, what would you call it? There's a motherly sort of instinct there that a lot of us have where that first year is just very consumed with the baby and, and his growth and because he's so dependent. And then around a year old, he starts getting much more independent. And it's like you kind of come out of this fog of like, okay, well, where's Amber? Like, where did she go? How do I find her again? So um, that's what I've been doing, finding myself. And um, I'm really excited because in a couple days, I am taking my first full day off from motherhood. I'm going to be away from home for several, several hours. And my lovely husband will be watching the baby. So thank you to him. Um, Anyway, that's what's going on with me. That is 12 minutes of me rambling about my life. So I'm sure you guys are like, okay, move on. Can we talk about the stuff that we were going to talk about? Well, yes, my friend, we can. So today, preconception care. So first of all, let me talk about this because I know when I went through IVF that um, the big temptation for me, and I am even a nutritionist, right? But the big temptation for me was to be like, let me go ahead and put my entire trust into um, into this process, into the um, into the science of this process, right? Let me go ahead and depend on these doctors to do what they know how to do best and let me not interfere. So it was weird because even though I am this like functional nutritionist who sort of knows um, all these things about fertility and preconception care and and um, egg quality and all that, the, a, a lot of the things that I like would tell a client to do or would tell a client to take or to pay attention to, I wasn't paying attention to because at that point in my fertility journey, I was just so drained from the whole experience that I just sort of wanted it to be over either way. I wanted it to be over whether it was going to end with a child or whether it was going to end with no child. I just wanted it to be done. And um, not only that, but I also wanted to have the best chance possible to succeed and in my warped sort of anxiety I sort of felt like well if I take anything or I like do anything crazy like I might interfere with this process with their medications and things like that and logically I know that that like 
doesn't make any sense. But going through it, that's sort of how I felt. And the same thing happened during my pregnancy. Um, I will be the first to admit, I did not take great care of myself during pregnancy. Like I, I did better than some, but, um, definitely was not like eating the way that I would ask a client to eat. Definitely was not eating the way that I normally eat. And part of that was food aversions and cravings and things like that. But part of it was just out of complete, um, fear. Like I wouldn't take my supplements because I was like petrified. Like, oh no, what if I take the supplement and it like hurts the baby? Which, you know, I mean, there's, there's a place for that, right? Like we should know what we're taking in. And a lot of supplements are not studied on pregnant women. And so they will often put a, a label warning you not to take that if you're pregnant um, because there's no data on it. However, you know, I mean, there are There are not always reasons to completely throw out your supplement routine just because you are pregnant um, and because those labels can be like slightly scary. Of course, work with a professional, listen to your doctor, all that stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, like I, I definitely bought into the, the whole fear thing and I kind of went all in with the conventional medicine. I'm like, look, I need IVF. To have this baby it's obviously not going to happen naturally it can't like I wasn't allowed by my doctors to try naturally so it had to be IVF and I was like if it's going to be IVF I'm just going to put my faith in their hands and just whatever will be will be now fortunately I come from the perspective of, of course, this is what I do for a living. And so I already had, you know, years built up of eating a pretty healthy diet, taking care of myself as best as I could, all that kind of stuff. So I was in a good, you know, I was at a healthy weight, like I had my insulin balance under control well and all that stuff. So I wasn't fighting like a super hard uphill battle, but I think it did play out that my egg quality was maybe not as good as it could have been um, because of some of my choices during that time. So I do think that this is like, and I tell you that personal story not so that you'll be like, oh, this nutritionist lady, she doesn't practice what she preaches. But just to be real with you, like this is really how this goes sometimes. Like you're going through this fertility journey experience and it's very scary. You don't want to step the wrong way, right? You don't want to like do the wrong thing um, and throw things off. So um, I'm here in my right mind again to tell you that paying attention to your nutrition is scientifically based. It is research based. It does make a difference in egg quality. It does make a difference in how well you respond to medications, how well you respond to fertility treatments, and any good doctor will tell you that. In fact, my fertility doctor was very open and honest with me about how much he wishes that women would take better care of themselves go while going through IVF and would focus on their health before signing up to go through IVF with him. He's the honest type where he will be like, look, you need to work on yourself. And of course, they all they know is like weight loss, right? So he's like, I will tell people that they need to lose weight before they come back. But sometimes people just insist. They just want to go through it without being in the right kind of place physically. Um, but there's so much more to it than just weight loss, right? Um, and many of us don't even need to lose weight. We just need to work on our inflammation levels and our, um, and our egg quality issues and our 
autoimmune markers and all those types of things. So, but he was very honest about the fact that like he wished that he could kind of um, send everyone to a nutritionist before they would come in because he had seen over the years that women who took better care of themselves tended to be much more successful with fertility treatments. Um, and there's plenty, plenty of research to back that up. So we're going to talk about some of that today. We're going to talk about why it matters and how exactly that process sort of works. So um, the time frame for this, because I know some of you are like, well, I have an IVF booked in January, right? Um, this is the thing. If you are about to go through a cycle, it does not hurt to start now, right? It doesn't hurt to start working on this at any moment. It'll only help. However, if you wanna have the best chances to make the most difference, I usually recommend taking four to six months before going through fertility treatments just to work on your health and nutrition. And the reason I say four to six months is um, obviously, ideally, you would work on this for years, right? And you'd be like a super healthy person going in. Um, that's not the world we live in. We want, and sometimes age is a factor too, and so we need to get this done fairly quickly. Four to six months is not gonna make a huge difference with your egg reserve or anything like that. What it is gonna do is it's gonna be long enough to make real sustainable changes, changes that actually last, and it's going to be short enough that you're not gonna get fed up with it and throw in the towel and throw all your hard work out the window right before you actually go through the cycle. So it's like the sweet spot, right? And the reason we talk about four to six months too is because there's a process to egg development that happens beyond just the menstrual cycle. So we tend to think about things as like, okay, every month I ovulate or the medication's gonna make me ovulate within like 15 days, right? And then that's the egg and, and I have those days to sort of like make sure that they're Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. or that I'm healthy or whatever. The reality is that the process of what they call folliculogenesis, there's a fancy word for you, um, the process of follicle development actually takes a good 300 days. So the simple version of this is you've got these primordial eggs, these like teeny tiny microscopic little eggs that you're actually as a woman born with. Like you, they are made in the womb. So from the moment of your birth, you have all the eggs you're ever gonna have in your life. And there's like, I don't even know how many, there's tons and tons of them, right? And then over the course of 300 days, so about a year, your body selects which eggs it's going to start sort of working on and building up to the point where eventually it'll go into this pool to be drawn from to become the dominant follicle of each menstrual cycle. So there's a process to that, there's steps to that, but it happens that you have um, about 300 days where this is going on. Now, the most critical days are actually about 120 days 
before the um, before the ovulation. So that's when the eggs that are that has been selected or the eggs that have been selected start getting their genetic material and start getting their sort of code of messages, right? So that's when you have the biggest impact on egg quality. Um, and the funny thing is that it's a similar time frame for sperm quality as well. So it's about 100 days. So I've read different things, 74 to 100 days for sperm quality. So it's interesting that we sort of, as human beings, have these sort of very similar fertility markers, right, that take place in the same time frame. And I think it lines up a lot with, you know, ancestrally, right, like different times of the year were maybe more beneficial for conception, fertility than others. Um, and it's just interesting that they line up like that. So men, if you're married and or going to use a sperm donor of your knowledge, they have a chance to also increase the... Um, the count and motility and quality of all that of the sperm within that time frame so it's also important for them to pay attention to these things um side note a lot of times as women we focus on ourselves and we feel really bad and guilty about our own part in this like oh it's my fault that we can't have kids or whatever if you and your husband are both unhealthy Here's the thing, like I I know that they do the sperm analysis and a lot of times women tell me they're like, well, my husband's sperm analysis, it came out and it was like perfect, even though he's overweight and even though he doesn't take care of himself and he eats this, this and that. And then my, you know, I'm the one with all the problems. This is a systemic issue, okay? So it may be that his sperm count and motility are fine. A lot of times in young men, we don't see issues until they get a little bit older. However, fertility is not just about now. It's not just about the moment of conception. It's about the pregnancy. It's about the um, child. It's about their life. Men tend to think like it doesn't really matter because it's not affecting them, but the problem is if both of you are not taking care of yourselves, then not only is it really hard for you as the woman to like stick with all these changes while your husband's over there eating, you know, candy bars, but it's also really not beneficial for the future of that child because that child's going to grow up in a home where um, either, you know, you're going to have this balance of power that's out of whack between like the mom who's like super healthy and then the dad who's like slipping you like whatever I don't know Oreos under the table or something or you're gonna have a situation and this is what mostly happens is that the woman has the baby or gets pregnant and all of the stuff that she's been working on to try to help her fertility goes out the window but working on fertility care and preconception care is not just about actually getting pregnant, it's about a woman's overall health because our fertility is the marker of our overall health. And so if we're not fertile, it's a good indicator that we are not healthy. Um, same thing with men. So as time goes on and things move forward, those issues are gonna come up for men. They just often wait until after the man is like 35 or maybe even a little older, right? But they are going to come up eventually. So you do well, both of you, to take care of this stuff now and to start really investing in the future for not just yourselves, but for your future child, right? Because fertility is all about health. So that's my little soapbox to tell your husbands to eat their vegetables. Um, but 
let's see. So going back to follicular genesis. So there's this whole process of time that's happening where we have the opportunity to sort of manipulate the egg quality a bit. And so I like to really start working with women right around that point because this, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. They're excited. They're getting ready for their treatment cycles. And, you know, the fun thing is that like some of them do get pregnant naturally, like before that even happens. And so that's kind of fun. Um, but, uh, you know, that doesn't always happen. Right? Sometimes we do still have to go through fertility treatments, but if your fertility issues are primarily a nutrition issue, then in some cases, just working on getting your fertility diet healthy and under control can actually help you to conceive naturally, and then you maybe don't have to go through fertility treatments, which is a huge win. Um, and I've seen that happen a few times in my work, so I know it's possible. Um, but for a lot of women who do still have to go that route, we know that you're ready, you're prepared. And I think psychologically it's important for you to know that you've done everything that you possibly could because if it doesn't work out, you don't want to go through that process and spend all that money knowing that you could have done something that might've made more of a difference. Now, I want to be careful about that because as women, we do tend to beat ourselves up. And you all know that I went through a lot with my fertility and I did have to go through IVF and I could not conceive on my own. And you bet that I beat myself up about that and felt like there was probably more that I could have done. Um, and maybe there was, and maybe there wasn't. A lot of things about fertility and conception are just mysterious and outside of our control. Even the doctor, my fertility doctor said that. He's like, look, we do what we know scientifically we can do and God does the rest. So there's not um, a hard and fast set of rules that like, okay, you do this, this, and this, and then you are going to automatically get pregnant on your cycle. But it does, um, it does help increase your chances. And I do think that for anyone who desperately wants a child, if you're gonna go through that process, you may as well do everything that you can do. Um, you know, everything that feels healthy and balanced to you that you can do, um, just to make sure that you've given it your best shot. And then, you know, you can go to sleep at night and you can hold your head up high, like you know you did everything you could do. So that's just my opinion on it. Other people have different opinions, that's fine. But I think it's really important to to sort of do everything that you can. So what can you do? Well, you know, I talk a lot about like eating healthy, nutrition. Well, what does that really mean? Um, fertility nutrition is really about two things, at least the way that I do it. It's about simultaneously increasing nutrient density at the same time that we reduce inflammation. And the cool thing about that is that reducing inflammation actually uh, leaves space in your diet because a lot of times for reducing inflammation, we're removing certain foods or certain food groups. And that leaves space, not just in your diet, but also in your stomach, to add in more foods that are more nutritious. So we're sort of like changing things out. We're taking some stuff away and then the space that's left, we're adding some more things. So... Um, it's a balance between those two things. A lot of times people get really caught up on the 
reducing inflammation side. And they start taking, 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 taking away. And um, for those people, it is much easier to restrict than it is to add. Um, I can relate to this because I'm this type of person, especially if I want to lose a few pounds or whatever. It is so much easier for me to take away from my diet and say, oh, I'm not going to eat, you know, this, I'm not going to eat dairy. I'm not going to eat gluten. I'm not going to eat uh, what, breakfast. I don't know, whatever it may be. Like, I'm just not going to eat. And, you know, for a lot of people, they're successful at least losing weight that way. But the issue with that is if you're just taking, taking, taking away, then you're not actually adding in the nutrients that your body really needs to function well. Egg quality is all about nutrient density, right? So you've got to have these substrates to make all this stuff. Like you've got to have good levels of B vitamins. You've got to have good levels of vitamin C. You've got to have good levels of vitamin D. You have to have all your nutrients in your system in order for this process to work and function correctly. And a lot of those nutrients are what, what's called water soluble. So B vitamins, for example, are water soluble, which means they flush out of you regularly, multiple times a day. So if you're not eating them, constantly and consistently, B vitamins, um, especially folates, the one I'm thinking of right now, you get from, from vegetable matter. So if you're not eating, regularly eating vegetables, fruits, and things like that, that are very nutrient dense, then you're not building up those stores and you don't have those stores available when your body's trying to make another human. Um, so it's really, really important to remember that because it, it can be easy to say, I'm not gonna eat these quote unquote bad foods and you feel better, and you may even lose weight, but your body, even if it is overweight, probably has a deep underlying malnutrition that needs to be corrected in order for it to be fertile. So that's why the balance of those two things is really important. And trust me, I get it because I am a remover. I'm a remover, remover. And I, um, you know, I tend to do that kind of work with clients a lot where we remove stuff. But the whole length of the process, as we get to the end of the process, is all about adding back. And that's why I think it's really cool to have like six months, right? Because you can do both. You can do some removal. And of course, while we're removing, we're still thinking about adding. But then you can even get to the point where um, if like food sensitivity or gut healing are an issue, we can actually add some foods back in and then really get to a big nutrient-dense state. So there's there's time to do that process correctly. And that reminds me of my thoughts that I wanted to give you guys on weight loss because a lot of women do are either told that they do need to lose weight in order to conceive um, or to have a better success with IVF uh, or to help their fertility condition. So I'm thinking of women with PCOS in particular, right? We're often told weight loss, weight loss. Um, and <laughs> this is a... Uh, a controversial topic, right? So I see a lot of stuff on the internet about like not cutting calories, like not worrying about weight. Um, you know, unfortunately, it may not be what you want to hear, but I do actually find that for a lot of women, some calorie restriction sometimes is important, right? Because um, I, I don't know, I, I see these people talking about how all the women that they work with don't eat enough. And they'll like have them do food diaries and they're eating less than 1,200 calories a day. And they, they've got all this extra weight on them. 
And I'm like, I don't know where these women come from because these are not the women that typically come to see me. Um, I think that it's a very dangerous to base an assumption on calories based on based on recall on a food diary because we know that people underestimate how many calories they eat by like 30 to 40%. So I think a lot of times it may look on paper like maybe this woman's not eating enough, but the, and there are cases like that. Okay. I don't want to say that there's not cases like that because there definitely are. But in my experience, at least the type of women that I'm working with, a lot of times we're overeating. We just are. Um, and so some, some cutback is important, but this is the trouble with fertility nutrition is like cutting calories does limit the amount of nutrient density. And we do know that calorie wise, that it is very difficult. It's actually pretty much impossible to get the recommended daily allotment of many different nutrients on a reduced calorie diet. So let's say we're battling these two things. Like we want to get pregnant, but we also really probably need to lose weight. And, um, that's important too because the weight loss helps with the insulin balance and with the blood sugar balance and those are important for egg quality as well. They're almost equally important to nutrient density. So um, it's definitely you're like stuck between a rock and a hard place. You're like, which way do I go? Which way do I go? Um, and depending on the type of person that you are, you may decide to go either way. I know a lot of women who are like, oh, I'm just going to work on eating more good stuff right? And I'm not really going to really worry about my portions and stuff like that. And that works, that works well in, so, in some cases, but for a lot of those women, especially if they're dealing with like an insulin-based condition like PCOS, you get into this issue where we're still having insulin swings because we're eating a lot of like nutrient-dense carbs, maybe sweet potatoes and stuff like that. Um, and so those insulin swings are still affecting egg quality. And then not only that, but the excess body fat is creating estrogen, which is then messing with the hormone balance, which is then messing with the ovulatory cycle, et cetera, et cetera. It's like a whole deal. On the other side, we've got the women who are like, oh, well, I will lose weight. I will cut out, I'll eat 800 calories a day, but they're, they want to eat like almonds and cheese and chicken. <laughs> they don't want to eat any like vegetables or fruit or anything like that. So um, those women, you know, I mean, it may be helping in the short term, but it's long term, it's not an effective strategy for weight loss. And not only that, but it's definitely not an effective strategy for egg quality. So what do you do? Well, without giving too much away, because you guys need to come to my workshop, um, the whole point is that if we have time, we can tackle those two things. So I usually start by tackling weight loss. Um, and not worrying quite as much about nutrient density, we're doing as nutrient dense as we can within the structures of perhaps a reduced calorie um, diet. I'm not opposed to reduced calorie diets in the right circumstances. Um, and then transitioning to a diet that is more nutrient dense, more nutrient rich, higher in calories in order to fit that stuff in and all that. And over the course of the whole process, we're working on adding really key um, strategic supplementation. Uh, I only supplement very strategically. So I'm not the type of practitioner that gives you like a hundred different things to take. I read the studies and I believe in supplementing with things that I know work so that there, there have been enough studies on it. We know the dosage. We know everything that we need to do to help improve 
these things. And I use therapeutic grade supplements, which make a big difference too. Um, on that note, a little, a little side note I have. So a lot of times when I'm working with people, um, they question, why are my supplements so expensive? Um, here's the thing about supplements. It's not a very well-regulated industry. Okay, so you may have heard that the FDA doesn't regulate supplements. That's not entirely true. There is some regulation over them, but it's certainly not as regulated as like prescription medications, for example. And so a lot of supplement companies, even the ones that you would get at a healthy store, like maybe at Whole Foods or whatever, a lot of these companies that are sold to the public import ingredients from different countries that maybe don't have as good of oversight and regulation. So there's a website called Consumer Reports that um, they gave us a subscription to as um, nutrition students. And they wanted us to go on there and find, you know, supplements that we would take a lot, brands that we liked, stuff that we'd get at the store or whatever. And you would be amazed at how many different supplements that you would never think because they look so pretty, they're packaged so pretty and all that but how many of them are contaminated with lead or don't contain the same levels of different nutrients that they say they contain, which is really important. If you're paying money for a supplement because you want to have 600 milligrams of alpha lipoic acid and it doesn't have those 600 milligrams, then it's like, well, what's the point of taking this, right? Um, so there is a lot of uh, trouble in that industry with like, making sure that you're getting what you're paying for because of the way that ingredients are imported. Not only that, but when you get something off the store shelves at um, the grocery store or if you order it off of the giant online marketplace that we all know who I'm talking about, um, you cannot be sure how that's been stored, how it's been shipped, how long it's sat in a warehouse, whether it's expired, how old it is, um, all kinds of things like that. And, you know, you probably hear this stuff from other nutrition professionals and a lot of people roll their eyes at it because they think it's a marketing strategy. If you trust me based on all the other stuff, you know, I'm not a money make, like I'm not in this to make a bunch of money or anything like that. What people say about supplements is really true. Um, and so I do find that what I use is a much higher quality and does a much better job of accomplishing what we want to accomplish. So that's why I use it. I only use stuff that I know works. And I've been doing this long enough that I've tested different things out, right? Like I've had some people try different things and I'm sort of like, mm, I don't know about that. I, over the years, have come up with different protocols and things like that. Um, and I've settled into a really good routine now with supplementation where I feel like I, I know how to do just enough so we're making big changes but not so much that's overwhelming too many pills to take etc etc um when you buy your supplements through a practitioner particularly a, a certified practitioner so i'm a certified nutrition specialist or you know an md or whatever if you're buying through a certified practitioner there are only certain people that have access to some of these higher quality therapeutic grade supplements through some of these higher quality wholesalers. Um, Emerson Ecologics is a big one that, you know, you have to have a, a degree and a license to sort of have an account with them and buy their products. Um, but there are others that I use as well. 
that makes a big difference because I pay as the practitioner for access to this service and for what they provide to me as a wholesaler. And then part of what I pay for is the pool of money that goes to third-party testing. And that third-party testing is where a lot of that markup on supplements comes from. Because you're right, the raw materials shouldn't cost that much. But what you are paying for is for somebody to batch test a lot of these different products and make sure that it has what it says it has in it and that it has the potency that you're paying for and all that stuff. So it does make a big, big difference. Um, so yeah, with supplementation, I always recommend, you know, working with a practitioner. Now, I've sent people links to Amazon before. I've sent people... Um, you know, to different stuff on like my website or whatever. Um, but when you're really working on something as serious as your fertility nutrition, I think it's important to, to work with a practitioner. You're already going to spend so much money on, um, on fertility treatments. In the grand scheme of things, I mean, I know it's easy to be like, oh my God, I've spent so much money on this IVF. Like I cannot afford another thing. On the other hand, you've already spent so much. What's another you know, $1,000 to work with a practitioner who can really walk you through this stuff step by step. That's a decision that everybody has to make for themselves. I try my best. This is really where my heart is. So I try my best to give out as much free information as I can and to um, educate you guys as best as I can without you actually having to pay to work with me. Um, and that's one reason why I put the workshop together because it is $95, but um, that's a very small amount compared to what I would charge to work with me one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's an opportunity for you to get a lot of very specific targeted knowledge that you can then put into place, um, even if you, you know you maybe can't afford to do the one-on-one -on -one consulting stuff. So, um, the biggest sort of thing I want you to take away from today is if you don't have anything planned fertility treatment wise in the nearest future, but you are sort of thinking about it, you might call the doctor and be like, hey, get us on the list. Um, but you have not addressed your fertility condition. So whether it be PCOS, whether it be autoimmunity, Hashimoto's, um, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, any of these things where you have high levels of antibodies, um, unexplained infertility, if you have any of these issues going on and you have not spent time addressing your nutrition, you don't eat a nutrient-dense diet, you're overweight, whatever it may be, um, I would highly advise you that instead of jumping right into fertility treatments, which are going to cost a lot of money and be extremely stressful, I have been there, I know how stressful they are, um, Instead of doing that, set yourself up for as much success as you can. Slow your roll just a little bit. Slow the process down just a little bit. And spend a few months working on eating better. Um, you know, eating nutrient-dense foods, eating lots of protein, eating lots of vegetables, eating lots of fruit, eating lots of healthy fats. I mean, that's what it all comes down to in the end. Every single healthy diet has the same sort of set of principles. Like every, pretty much every diet agrees that vegetables are like where it's at, right? And um, I think making sure that you get enough protein is also really important there. Um, but all of that stuff really 
combined makes a healthy diet. And just doing that 80 to 90% of the time before you sort of start the whole fertility treatment roller coaster, not only is it going to help you potentially have better success, but also it's really going to put you in a better frame of mind. Because um, one cool thing about nutrition is that we know that the gut affects the brain, right? The vagus nerve connects those two things. And so good nutrition helps your mood, makes you less anxious, makes you less depressed, makes you less worried. So um, you'll be setting yourself up for success. Okay, that's all I'm going to talk about today. But if that was fun for you and you want more information or you really want to get down into the nitty gritty with me, um, please reach out. Uh, I will provide in the description box below, there's going to be information on how you can um, book your spot in the workshop. Um, please feel free to follow me on social media. I give a lot of information out there too. Um, and I will talk to you guys next week. So have a good one. Bye. If you learned something today or you enjoyed today's episode or both, I'd love it if you would leave me an iTunes review and share this with a friend. If this brought up a question for you that you would like to hear me answer, there is a Google form that you can use to ask me any question you want, and I might answer it here on the podcast. I do it all the time, and I would love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.